Welcome to Chevron's Lock to Stargate podcast. I'm Chelsea. I'm Jess. And I'm Melanie. This episode we'll be talking about Within the Serpent's Grasp, which is season one, episode 22. Episode two of three in this three-part uh, series that continues into the first episode of season two. Before we dive in, I would like to give a spoiler warning. I'm sure we will be talking about more than just this episode and future episodes as well. Also, content warning, there will definitely be penis talk yes. because the zats get introduced <laughs> and yes. there's just no way around that. Nope. So, uh, so keep that in mind before you keep keep listening. Very yes. true. Very, very true. Guys, we made it to the uh, to the finale. This is it. We did. This we is did. The season one finale. The end of season one. One season down. Uh, this episode was written by Jonathan Glasner. The story by James Crocker. It was directed by David Wary Smith or Wary Smith. It aired the sixth of March, nineteen ninety eight. We get a reprisal of Peter Williams as Apophis, Gary Jones as Harriman, Alexis Cruz as Scara slash Chlorel, and Brent Strait as Ferretti, which is fun because I, I really like Ferretti. Me too. Me too. All right. Melanie, do you have a synopsis for us? I do. Uh, the Stargate program is shut down after Senator Kinsey's visit, but SG-1 still plans to stop the Ghoul-Old invasion. They gate to what they think is the Ghoul-Old homeworld, but soon discover they're on a Taltec vessel led by Apophis and Skara, now host to Chlorel. The ships are now heading straight for Earth. Dun-dun-dun! <laughs> it is a dun-dun-dun moment, mm-hmm. for sure. And it's going to end on a dun-dun-dun moment as well. Sure is. Could you imagine yeah. sitting and waiting in a run? Sorry. Yep. Nope, we're getting there. <laughs> All right. So the episode opens with Hammond just low-key shredding documents. Yeah. Jack comes into the office and Hammond calls him Jack, which is unusual. And Hammond is not pumped about this being his send-off. He talks about how he's a month away from retirement before he took the command and kind of stuck around because it was such a wild ride and now is really not pleased to have it end this way. Do you ever think about like, man, his retirement got really delayed. <laughs> so much. <laughs> he delayed. hung around an extra like nine months or nine years. Mm-hmm. But that was his choice though. I mean, if he wanted to retire, he could have retired. Yeah. How could fact, you possibly retire? No, look, I'm just one. saying, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I would. I'm saying he could have. He could have. If he wanted to, but he didn't want to. Yeah. So Jack is not ready to shut it down and Hammond agrees, but acknowledges that orders are orders and we get this wonderful little exchange. Even though we are the only line of defense protecting this planet. I know that. I know you know that, sir. (laughs) It's kind of like preaching to the choir. Yeah. And so Hammond then goes on to talk about how much, how hard he tried. Like, he went back to Kinsey two times. He called the president himself. The president said he could not try and override the Senate on this. It would be a political suicide. Also, probably an abuse of executive authority. Mm-hmm. So now he's basically, and so Hammond says they're burying the Stargate literally and figuratively. Yeah. It's going to be like it never happened, which is a super bummer. I find it kind of strange how. Like, loosey-goosey, both Hammond, Jack, and Sam are in particular about, like, when it's like, oh, it's the military. We couldn't possibly, like, (laughs) bend any orders. Like, orders are orders. And then when they're like, "Eh, there's some, like, wiggle room here. The thing is, I think that 
in general that is kind of a personal decision and it's pretty universal in the u.s military i mean something that people talk about why the u.s military at least in the past was successful is because there is some amount of autonomy like we encourage soldiers especially officers to think for themselves and so there is kind of this follow orders follow orders but sometimes you do have to think for yourself because also ultimately it's been shown in the past through trials and stuff that following orders is not a defense against doing something illegal or terrible or war crimes. And, and so you ultimately have to be willing to take responsibility for your actions. So I do think there's sort of this, they, they all are pretty willing to be like, I'm going to follow orders except when I'm not. (laughs) Right. And I just find it interesting when it's like when they decide to follow orders versus like not follow orders. Cause there are times like this situation will come up again and Hammond kind of turns a blind eye and is like, okay sgv or sg1 wink wink don't do anything <laughs> wink wink and then there's sometimes when he's like oh, the no like the president said no that that's it and like game over yeah 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 I, but i guess I like mean, when you're a general hammond knows when to call it quits but i mean in this case it's not just orders being orders like they're literally turning the lights off yeah like, they won't be able to turn on the gate and go through it eventually like once they're finished shutting down the sgc so it's one thing to be like oh they told us not to do it we're gonna do it anyway and then like physically being unable (laughs) to do it it is interesting and i mean i think sometimes it speaks to the characters of the when they when they make those decisions i mean jack pretty much has a very loose relationship with orders in general Mm -hmm. but yeah I, i agree it is interesting i understand where hammond's coming from so so then we go to the control room where SG-1 is all looking very forlorn. Everything is covered in sheets, which kind of goes back to how it all started. It also made me laugh. I wrote a note. I was like, how very Victorian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Teal wants to leave again, which is just so fair. Yep. Daniel wants them all to go to the coordinates. Teal agrees. Uh, Sam and Jack say they would be court-martialed. If they managed to survive and came back, mm-hmm. Daniel mentioned Sarah, basically saying like, "Hey, if this happens, everybody's going to die, including Sarah." That was really was weird. Interesting like, play, uh-huh. yeah. And their whole interaction too, and like Jack's reaction to Daniel being like, "We got to go," he's like so frustrated, and it's so clear they've had this conversation multiple times because yeah. Jack's like, "Damn it, Daniel! Like, not this again." Yeah, and then so Sam is skeptical that the four of them could do anything anyway. Like, what are what are they going to accomplish, just the four of them? And we get this great... Oh, no, I don't think I pulled it. So we get... Teal thinks that a medical attack could be successful. <laughs> surgical attack, Teal, surgical. <laughs> and so that's pretty funny. Uh, so Jack decides that he's on, he's on board. I don't know how much of this I pulled, so I'm just going to play it. We go. I too will go. It's not an order, Captain. I understand that, Colonel. Thank you. I'm going. Oh, I love so the way good. she says it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that look that Jack gives her. Look, not to hop aboard the shipper train, but choo-choo. <laughs> and I just love that that long, like his eyes, like when the camera pans to Sam to see what her answer is going to be, Jack is already looking at her, even though Tilk just spoke. Like 
Jack's Aria looking at her and just like giving her this like long kind of like measured look. And I was just very hard eyes in the background. I say like, it also reminded me of in Guardians of the Galaxy when like they're all getting ready to like go execute their big plan and it ends up being Rocket at the end like now I'm standing like a bunch of idiots. <laughs> yeah. I kept we're all standing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And they are kind of a bunch of idiots. Yeah. They, they're they, heading they, into know, they're doom. Very, it's very similar. They kind of are the guardians of the galaxy. Yeah. If SG-1 was the guardians of the galaxy, who would be who? Uh, Different podcast. Yes. But that's a fun question. <laughs> Sam would definitely be Rocket. Sam? Well, she's right? the tinkerer. Yeah. yeah. J- uh, Jack is Quill. Tilk is definitely Tilk is Drax. Uh, Drax. Yeah. Takes everything very literally. Uh-huh. Giant. Uh-huh. <laughs> Daniel... Gomantis? <laughs> uh, Daniel can be... Sure. Mantis. Very in touch with his feelings. Mm-hmm. And others. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Well, and... Yeah, that's like his only approach to things is mm-hmm. like feelings. Does that make Hammond uh, Yondu? Very freaking poppin'. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, this is a fun little, yeah. little, little choo-choo train. Okay. Anyways. Then we get, we cut to the team looking sexy and they're all black, like, they spying look good. Oh, God, they all look so good in black. So good. <laughs> all the wearing their hats yes the gate is opening and jack instructs sam to lock all of the corridors to prevent the sfs from stopping them Mm -hmm. hammond and ferretti go to investigate the gate opening uh they send the map through to see a dark room and they go through anyway and hammond and ferretti get there right as they leave I love Hammond's face. So we get a like a close up on Hammond's face. It is like somehow managed to be like unsurprised, annoyed, but also maybe a little proud. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> it's a very parental look. Yeah. I think he's <laughs> always Those proud. Darn kids. <laughs> yeah, he is always proud. He's a good Papa Hammond. Yeah. So then we get the titles, and we get Jack and a backwards ball cap. That is literally the biggest note on this page. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wrote, looking real good, Jess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite look for him. He looks so good in a backwards baseball cap. Yep. Ugh. So Jack tells Daniel to send the mouth back, which I appreciate that we actually get like an acknowledgement that that happened. Okay. And it's important later. It is important later and it's very convenient. But when it first happened, because I forgot that they get caught in the room, I was like, the fuck? Why are you? Because like in... um. What's the episode with Catherine and uh, Ernest? Oh, the Torment of Tantalus. Torment of Tantalus. Thank Where you. they Good have memory. like a hundred All their lies. shit is on the mouth. I was like, why are you setting that back? That's important. That's got supplies. And I was like, I guess they are trying to be like sneaky. So I guess. Yeah, they're infiltrating. Yes. Yeah, so we, we want to get rid of that. But at first I was like, the fuck are you doing? But, <laughs> but why wouldn't you take some supplies off of the mouth before you send it through? Yeah. Like, like, like I, I understand sending it through to like make it like nondescript that you're there mm-hmm. but like there's stuff that you probably need on there like c4 like you got then, the c4 where where's the rest of the stuff and their packs yes and i wish they had like put like a little note on their front in the mouth like dear papa hammond <laughs> 
We'll be back soon. Keep the lights on. For <laughs> like, court martial. Thank you. I'm just trying to like imagine Hammond on the other side, like the gate coming back to life and the melt coming through and just being really pissed off. <laughs> the thing is, though, there's a very good chance that this was no matter what going to be a one way trip because right. because there's a good chance that they leave and they go ahead and bury the Stargate or right. just close the iris, deactivate all of the iris codes. Yeah. Like... It, they, I think they all were going operating under the assumption that there is a very, very good chance they're not coming back. Like, even yeah. if they're successful, which is a big if, yep. there may not be a return possibility. kind of gloss over that. They just kind of, every time they bring up the possibility that it is a one-way trip, like when the C4 explodes or, like, they freak out when they can't dial the gate to get back home. It's like, what did you guys think this was going to be? I mean, so when they're discussing if they're if they're going to go, Jack does say that we'll be court-martialed if we get back. And he right. kind of emphasizes the if. Yeah. So, but you're right. The rest of the episode, it's sort of like, yeah, sure, we'll get home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they send them out back and Teal'c informs them. So they're in a room and they don't see any way out. But Teal'c tells them that the global disguise doorways... So there probably is a doorway, but there's all these shipping containers functionally lying around the room mm-hmm. with Apophis's sign on them. And the first one they open happens to be filled with weapons. Thank goodness. Very, can I just say very inefficiently packaged? There's like three <laughs> weapons in one of those giant boxes. <laughs> it's like, that is a big old crate to have like three guns in apophis and like the goal need some uh like qa people they need to like reevaluate their whole system you know since they're maybe because they're using like energy fuel they're not as worried about efficiency of transport probably so we meet for the first time the zatniktel you mean the penis gun the penis, the penis gun. gun that is so obviously a penis you know actually the first time i watched it i didn't notice it and then i watched and then i watched the little interview with um uh, shanks Shanks. yes with shanks and he talked about the gun looking like a penis and now it's all i can see when i see (laughs) it it's a fucking penis yep yep and it looks all kinds of awkward the way they hold it like it's yes they don't know where to hold i mean (laughs) (laughs) the gestures that are happening are very suggestive (laughs) like sam shoots it one time i was like what just happened like Mm -hmm. she's like squeezed the middle of it and i was like what and like and like tilts in the background like oh you just because like Jack says, like, how do you fire this thing? And the camera doesn't even like show Tilt just says, Oh, you do something, and there's some You squeeze it. No, you squeeze it. You he squeeze says. it, but yeah, he, we get he, a we get him describing <laughs> it, which is very suggestive in and of itself. I'm gonna you I'm gonna play it. <laughs> One need only squeeze it here to fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> Charging the weapon only once on a subject. Yeah, I'll bet they do. Disabling but not killing him. A second shot will kill most subjects. Nice. Oh yeah, I bet it takes great when pleasure in firing. Squeeze it in the middle to fire it. Yeehaw. They take great pleasure in discharging it. Look at all the discharge, please. <laughs> so hidden in that very suggestive. Uh, sentence though he tells us that the first shot incapacitates and causes a great deal of pain the second shot he does say and I think this is interesting he says it will kill most subjects yeah 
Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. then we're never going to follow that rule ever again. We're going to follow it for like some episodes and then some episodes There was something else I read or watched where they explained why they did that because the conti- the continuity of like keeping it like that was like harder to keep up yeah. with or something so like they yeah. just were like we're just gonna throw it out the window and just forget like it exists yeah right well they use it when it's convenient because yes. like the, the reality is they needed a way to get rid of bodies because they're trying right. to be quiet sneaky. and sneaky stealthy sneaky but yeah sneaky. i mean we'll find out in a few seconds what 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 the third shot does but i just feel like they really forget like their own rules this is probably the more egregious of the forgetting what i don't understand is what's the what's the refractory period on that refractory period hey i'm going with the theme (laughs) i'm going with the theme (laughs) i was gonna (laughs) i was gonna bring that up though because like people get shot with them quite a bit like jack like jack gets shot with one like three times in an episode not back to back but three times in an episode so Mm -hmm. i mean does it have to be like immediately that you get mm-hmm. shot twice that you die, or is it within like a five minute period or a thirty minute period, or well, you know whatever? It varies from man to man. Ah, I would say. <laughs> so most last like forty five seconds. Of that, so. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm so glad we're following through on our penis warning. <laughs> uh, yeah. They're discussing this, and then some invisible force knocks everybody but Teal'c down. Mm-hmm. Teal'c immediately seems concerned and tells them to dial home, mm-hmm. uh, which I love it that that's, like, Daniel's job. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the one thing he does. Uh, he dials it. No cigar. It's not engaging. They're like, what'd you do wrong? And he's like, I swear I did it right, <laughs> which is just, like, a classic moment, too, of, like... I swear, like, when you're uh, doing a lock or something and it doesn't work, and you're like, I know I'm doing this right. Mm -hmm. So then the Jaffa enter the room, and they all, like, scatter to hide behind the shipping crates and the DHD. And, uh, of course, they... uh, I love that they, like, left the night vision goggles out. We show that they left the night vision goggles out. We, like, focus on them noticing that they left the night vision goggles out, and then nothing Nothing comes up the night vision goggles i was so annoyed because as i was rewatching this i was like i don't remember anything happening in this scene but boy they're making a big deal out of these goggles (laughs) i don't hmm i think it was to stress the point that they could have been caught since Mm -hmm. they left them out and obviously they weren't caught but like we were like making like we were stressing the moment for our viewer i guess we haven't had any like high stakes tension scenes yet of like oh they could have been caught yeah, also, mm-hmm. but like, were we were we worried? They have that giant helmet. The That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> I said they can't see very well in those helmets. No. There's no peripheral. Maybe it has like a user interface, like Iron Man's. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah. So the Jaffa come in and they like put this big floaty ball thing up that floats in the middle of the Stargate, and then they leave. The effects for that ball held up pretty nicely. Yeah, that I thought it looked pretty good. Yeah, but then they just turn and leave. That was really weird. like I don't understand what the whole like I I know why the ball plays a role mm-hmm. in the in the episode but like so we put it why up. did they put it there now and like yeah, we could have yeah just put it, I don't uh-huh. understand why we put it up now rather For than tension later like I, yeah, yeah. Th- I feel like this episode gets off to a really like strange like inconsistent start yeah like there's energy and then there kind of dips and there's energy and it dips yeah. 
So Teal'c tells us that the ball is a long-range telecom device, kind of like a television. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so Jack makes a dumb Simpsons reference where he says, like, mm, Google TV. <laughs> and nobody gets it, but that's what it does on Hulu. But in the, the closed caption said, do you think it gets showtime? Yeah, that's what I got. And I did yeah. Actually, I didn't watch it on Hulu. I watched it on uh, Amazon Prime. Okay. And I didn't, and even in the audios, not on the closed caption, it, he literally says, do you think it gets showtime? Yeah. And so did the, so my, the audio that I pull, it says, do you think it gets showtime? But on so, Hulu, it, he's, uh, he did, he goes, mm, gold TV. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was saying, I didn't get the showtime. I know. One. I was like, I don't remember a Simpsons reference here. Yeah. So I've, apparently there's two versions and they're both like out there. Why do we have so many different versions of episodes? I bet you, I wonder if it has something to do with like Hulu's not allowed because it's, maybe because Hulu's not allowed to say Showtime. Showtime? Mm, that maybe. could be it. That could be it. But they shouldn't be able to say Did Simpsons you watch either. Hulu? No. Oh no, no, no Disney, Disney owns Hulu now. That's right. Uh-huh. I forgot. Did you watch on Hulu now? Mm, yes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. See, I wrote down the Showtime joke, and I said that was really lame, because, like, it's on Showtime. Like, what a stupid, like, ooh. Yeah. Wow, Jess. Okay. That wasn't a very good analysis. Than, like, that was my, that was my feelings about it. That could only be expressed through, no. So, yeah, I, I thought it was a little, a little interesting. Hmm, interesting. Those comparisons. So now that Teal'c knows where the door is, he can find it, and they open the door and leave. I really think it's hilarious that... Okay, well, no, you, what do you want to say? I was wondering if you were going to comment on when they leave and how they get through the hallway and that two of our SG-1 members seem to keep finding themselves... We haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, I was, I was skipping gonna ahead, I was gonna get there. No, that's my next note. What I yeah, it's pretty much... So this is... It is. <laughs> it here's is. My, we here's just my haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I said, what I put is, lots of convenient hidey holes on yeah. this Taltech. Jack pushes Sam into one. No big deal. Yeah, that's they what do. I, that's what I wrote. Yeah. Yeah. The design of this ship is pretty ridiculous. Like, there's a corridor, and then there's, like, walls with gaps in them, <laughs> and then there's, like, a second corridor just for people to hide in. Like, <laughs> I don't know what. Maybe the Jaffa get bored, and they play hide and seek. It's a, com- a convenient plot device so we can hide and get around the ghouls. <laughs> it's so um, SG one members can steal secret moments together away from prying. That's in season two. It's in season two, Jess. Season two when that happens. Season three, episode one. Is it? How season yes. two, episode last, it's, whatever the last episode is. It's the second part of the season two finale, which um, is three one. Mm. Don't you worry. I have all the mm. memories. <laughs> But yeah, so there's plenty of places for SG-1 to tuck themselves away as the very loud Jaffa comes stomping past and give plenty of warning for them to get hidden. Uh, but yes, there is a moment where they, they're going and then and Jack ducks behind and he kind of uses his hands on Sam's <laughs> chest to push her. Yes. But yes. Jack got very handy. There was very cozy. There was lots of alcove options. Because, like, later in the episode, they split into, like, one apiece. And yet, here we are together. <laughs> yep. So so then it cuts back to the SGC. 
And Herman, who is wearing a great cardigan, love it. (laughs) Herman and Ferretti tell Hammond that SG-1 went to the coordinates that Daniel brought back with him. Ferretti offers to take SG-2 to bring them back. And Hammond says, yeah, you'd only be bringing them back for courts martial. Freddie wants to back them up. He says he basically says like Jack, Jack's done the same thing for me. I want to go back him up. That's what we do. It's a great moment, and and he says me and my men are ready to go. I want to know why we don't get more Ferretti. Yeah, because like this is the. I, do we see him maybe one more time? I just feel like what a lost opportunity because he's he's great. He's a connection to the past of it. And I don't know if the actor wasn't available, if they didn't love working with the actor. I don't know, but I like Freddie. Me too. Yeah. I'm bummed out as well. I would like to see him more, especially because we never get to really see, I feel like make peace before he went bad was like kind of like a cool, like other SG glimpse. Uh Oh, that's our buddy make peace. And like, Uh that could have been Freddie. And then, Then we, yeah, it could have been Freddie, and then we get Reynolds. But yeah, we could have had Freddie throughout. That would have been nice. So, so then we go back to the to the ship, and SG One is kind of leapfrogging down the hallway until they find a room with the sarcophagus in it, and that is when they realize that they are on a vessel, not just on a vessel, but a vessel that is in hyper launch. I think is what they describe it as. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Which, and is that different than hyperspace? I don't know. It's 10 times faster than the speed of light, except it's not. (laughs) It's faster than that, Jess. (laughs) Yeah. Way faster. So then, Melanie, we'll take over. So, to be honest, the next note that I have after that is Freddy wants to go after them. Like, they're set up in the gate room, ready to go after Mm -hmm. them. And um, the the chevrons are locking. And then when the final chevron's supposed to lock, it doesn't lock because the point of origin has changed. Mm-hmm. which they don't know that yet but the point of origin has changed so they can't walk to where they were and so basically sg1's on their own on their own little secret mission mm-hmm. uh-huh. it's a secret mission in uncharted space <laughs> is that a reference that's toy story that's one of the buttons <laughs> on buzzes <laughs> also that sounds familiar but i can't place it <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. And then I have two can fly death fighters. That's my next yeah. note. <laughs> no, that's a, that's right. No, like I said, I'm just I'm just not sure. No, no, like, you're right. Because back on the Teltac or whatever it's called, they realize that they're not on a ship. That they are on a ship. I'm sorry. That they are on a ship. <laughs> sorry, I got distracted. They oh, are that's right. Ship. Yeah. Okay. So yes. Sorry. And um, Jack and Jack is asking if he can fly the if he can fly the Teltac. Yeah, and Tilk is like, I might be able to fly it, but I can definitely fly a Death Fighter. Yeah. Um, well, like- before that, though, the Jaffa pop up, and Sam just kills one of them. So she fires once, yes! she fires twice, really fucking indiscriminately. Well, it is a Jaffa, but also in that moment when she fires it, especially the second time, because you really get the close up of watching it like flare open and click. <laughs> It really looks like a penis. <laughs> it is upsetting. That, that wasn't the note that I wrote down. I was more like, wow, Sam killed pretty quickly I, there. I wrote both things down. <laughs> oh, you can do both. You can note the peanut. The peanut. The penis. <laughs> peanut. And the fact that Sam did not really hesitate to pull no. that second shot. I found that shot to be, the shot of Sam killing the guy the second time kind of weird because there was like this hesitation delay almost and maybe I was reading too much into it but like AT had this look on her face that was almost like very scientific 
like, what will happen if I do press the second <laughs> button? Like, it was a kind of a bizarre. I do think there was a little bit of her actually testing what it meant. Mel, before you go, I did have, so this is where we get the explanation of the third shot. Okay. One shot hurts him, two shots kill him. The third shot disintegrates him. Oh, great. You didn't feel this was worthy of mention, I take it. <laughs> Classic. I mean, it's Classic teal. It's a good question. It's like, why didn't you mention it when you were like, one, two? Because he didn't ask, Jess. It's teal. You have oh to my God. ask him what happens. Like, you can't just assume he's going to tell you. Yeah. Yeah, so then Teal'c says that he can't fly the, the Teltac, but he can fly Death Gliders. And I love he kind of says, I'm only qualified to fly, fly yes. Death Gliders. I love thinking that Jaffa have, like, certifications to pass for things. <laughs> I wrote the exact same thing down. I was like, are there Jaffa driver's licenses? <laughs> and then I believe Jack starts asking Sam uh, how long it'll take them to get back to Earth. Mm-hmm. Earth, yeah, to Earth, and um, Sam geeks out about going back to Earth and how long it's going to take. She's very excited about being faster than light. She it's, was yes. so excited, and and she was like, "It'll only take like a year. Like it, it, it'll be fine. We'll have like plenty of time to like <laughs> blow up the ship or whatever, or like defeat them. It'll be fine." I have so many questions. Like, okay, even if it was a year, what was the plan? <laughs> they didn't. They were. They didn't they were have like, one. Yeah, the plan was to, like, maybe we get them to turn it around somehow. Yeah, like, but we got a year to, like, avoid these enemies on this very, like, contained ship. Find something to eat. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. I also like that Sam is all excited about the fact that the the front of the ship isn't glass. It's, like, some kind of force shield because, and then she states, like... The glass wouldn't hold up to faster than light travel, mm-hmm. which I thought was... And she, she is. She's kind of geeking out. She's loving it. She's not kind of geeking out. It's definitely <laughs> geeking out. And is kind of like, not geeking out with her, but Tilk knows things. I mean, Sam is like, oh, I bet you it's because we're going faster than the speed of light. And Tilk's like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, Tilk knows some of the physics behind how the ships work. That that was pretty cool. Yeah. So the Jafar summon somewhere and they go back into the room with the kid. Yes, they go. Yeah, yeah, they go back in the room with the gate. Oh yeah, Apophis comes up on the the TV and Mm -hmm. um, basically is like, you know, we're heading to Earth, and then Kal El comes out of the sarcophagus. Chlorel. Chlorel. What did I call it? Kal El. -El. (laughs) Is that Superman? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Kal El. Excuse me. Chlorel comes out of the sarcophagus. And Apophis is basically like, um, he says, you know, we're heading to Earth. You're going to follow uh, Chlorel's orders as they're my own. Um, and then we're going to defeat basically the infidels. Who the are. Infidels. <laughs> Does he say infidels? Does he call them a scourge, I think, or something? <laughs> I'm having like Jeff Dunham flashbacks right now <laughs> of that stupid puppet. <laughs> Um, I wanted to give props to the costume department in that scene because it's a pretty short scene and there's like 20 fully armored Jaffa and like a bunch of slaves and priests and stuff, all with very different but very ornate outfits. And I was like, get it. Yeah, seriously. Impressive work. Mm-hmm. We, That's may it. Shit, we may shit on the writers, but we will give props <laughs> to the costume designers. Oh, can I inter- interrupt with a yes, fun fact can. about mm-hmm. why, why Scara is back? 
You sure can. So from the SG-1 Illustrated Companion, Brad Wright and Jonathan Glasner were happy to confess that the fans of the show were responsible for a major change of plan. They say, as far as they we were concerned, the Scara character was dead. We'd hinted that they were going to kill him, and we actually did. But we started getting the message from fans that he was a really popular character, and we thought, boy, if we kill him, they're going to kill us. In fact, when news of the character's death leaked out, the fans went ballistic. They were furious. We didn't think that they would care that much, but the volume of mail convinced us that Scara had to stay. So, thanks to the visual effects guys, we digitally cut him out of a previous scene and pasted him into one that was supposedly after he would have been dead to show that he was alive and was going to get away. Okay. Cool. But basically, fans are the reason that Scar is even alive. Well, they didn't listen to the fans in season six. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, <laughs> well, so then they all leave. Yep. They all leave. And then Jack starts breaking out teams. He says yep. him and Teal are going to go kidnap Scar, basically, and, or uh, Chlorel and try and talk to him mm-hmm. because some of the host still survives. And mm-hmm. Sam and Daniel's job is to go and plant C4 around the Teltech to make mm-hmm. it explode. If as a contingency plan. Alright, so I have that clip as requested. Hey. O'Neill, what is our plan of attack? We're gonna split up. Carter, you and Daniel start planting C4 all over this ship. And what are you and Teal gonna do? We're gonna try and grab Scar. Sir, are you sure? I mean, it would be like trying to take a office. They do not know we are aboard. There would be little reason to keep them under heavy guard. Okay, but with respect, sir, I think you're making an emotional decision here. Maybe. But it's also the best strategic decision. Is it? Jack has a point. If we can capture her, maybe we can get through to the old Skara. Kendra said that she could fight past her Gould when it was still inside of her. Let's go. Sir, contingency plan. C4. <laughs> I... Love this scene. I have mm-hmm. like a little tiny paragraph that I wrote, which I'll basically summarize as I love that we get this scene where Sam feels comfortable enough to question Jack to be like, hey, are you sure you're making the best decision for the group? <clears throat> and then not only that she's questioning him, but then that he's almost forgetting like part of his orders, which is like the contingency plan. Um, so I, I really like that uh, she's questioning him. And then, like, he forgets, so he kind of is making an emotional decision, even though he says it's a strategic one. It is clearly emotional. And then I really like all of it wrapped up as this kind of, like, nice gender reversal. I feel like season one struggled a lot with, like, this, like, female-male dynamic a little bit. And I feel like this is a great example of, like, okay, it is the male in charge making an emotional decision. It is the female, which is, like, it is the female 2IC who is, like, you guys are you're making an emotional decision you're thinking with your heart and not your head so i really liked it's such a small scene but i thought it said a lot yeah i agree i i really i really appreciated that scene i like that i think sam does a good job of like being respectful and i also think that jack also handles it well Mm -hmm. and i think gives her the trust and confidence to know that she can bring up her concerns in the future because he doesn't jump down her throat and he even concedes he's like maybe it is but Mm -hmm. i also i like he is trying to think strategically but he acknowledges that there's emotions involved and i also really like so then when they're he's like let's go and he goes to get up and you don't see it but you have to assume that sam grabs his arm or his wrist or something to like stop him as he's getting up because he like freezes she reaches out and he freezes and then she's like wait what's the contingency Mm -hmm. plan 
And I, I appreciated that. And I also love that he's like, they would blow it up. I just like the fact that Sam is comfortable enough now that she can ask that question. Because yeah. I guarantee you, like, in the beginning and probably during the mid-season, definitely not comfortable enough to be asking questions of that magnitude. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And we're reinforcing that the contingency plan is basically suicide. Yeah. Also, I did notice, I th- think this is the first time I kind of noticed it, that Daniel isn't wearing his glasses. Yeah, he, oh, was, uh, he yeah. hasn't been wearing it like all episode. I think partly because they started with the night vision goggles on. Yeah. Maybe he's wearing contacts. I don't know. No, yeah. I noticed that too in the beginning. I don't know why. Maybe they're starting to get away like... Shanks was like, I'm tired of being... But he still has them, though, in season two and three. And, yeah. you know... Maybe it's, like, in his contract. <laughs> I can pick one episode. I don't have all these <laughs> fucking glasses. <laughs> okay. Is it still my turn? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. For, like, a couple more scenes. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I have Tilkin Jack has successfully captured Skara. So if someone else wants to take the reins, please feel free. No, that was exactly what happens next. <laughs> oh, great. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> Look, y'all, I'm sorry. I watched this episode like four days ago. No, you're good. So then the team splits up. So Tilk and Jack sneak into Scar's room, basically. Or they don't sneak. They yeah, attack they the guard. Attack. They attack they, the guard. They attack. And basically end up capturing Scar. And uh, as Tilk is holding Scar, um, he tells Jack how to lock the room and make sure that other Jaffa can't get inside. Which I thought was actually really interesting that you can just shoot the the penis gun. I can't think of the Zat gun <laughs> at any electronic device and it'll mess it up. Yeah, it kind of like short circuits it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then Jack tries to get through to Scara, and he's mm-hmm. talking to Chlorel, and Chlorel's just basically mocking him the whole time, which is has to be like super rough mm-hmm. for Jack. Like I can't even imagine, mm-hmm. and. So, like, Jack tries to get... He gets more emotional as the mocking goes on. He keeps trying to get through to Scar. Finally, he realizes that the soft emotion is not going to get through to him, and he ends up having having to go the hard way, and basically is like, I'm going to shoot you with the Zat gun if you don't let Scar talk to me. Yeah. Essentially. So before that, like, it cuts back, sorry, to Sam and Dean. Oh, yeah, okay, I see. Mm. That's okay. okay. <laughs> no, because it is like, it's sort of a continuous Back scene, but it just cuts briefly away to Sam and Daniel placing, avoiding Jaffa, putting C4 on a, on a glider. Which, I guess, okay, so here, what do you guys think about this? Not that this is like super science or anything, but her rationale is if you blow up one, like they run on fuel, fuel is combustible, and therefore, like, if you blow up one, it'll start a chain reaction, mm-hmm. which I think is sound regardless. But, like, to me, I was like, but these are death gliders. Like, maybe the fuel isn't combustible in the same way that we're thinking of fuel, our fuel is combustible. I thought that was interesting that she made that assumption. Yeah, I think it's it's It's, a somewhat fair assumption. Yeah. Because even if it's some kind of, like, fusion or, like, energy reactor, blowing it up is still going to make a big... Something happen. Yeah, it's going to... I, I don't know that it's fair to assume that all of them will blow up. Yeah. Uh, they weren't that tightly spaced, but right. I, I'll give it to them. Sure. Yeah. I, was like, I was like, are you on like a C4 ration? Like, <laughs> you can't spare one extra 
two well, extra blocks. Well, they didn't keep the map, so it's only what she's got see? on her. You see what happens when you throw the map back. It's interesting to me to think that they brought enough C4 to blow up. Like a big so, ship? Yeah. Like I, I, and they didn't even know they were going to be on a ship. Well, but they knew that they might need to be taking out some, like, it was just the four of them. And so C4 is like, it seems like a good weapon of choice when you're like, okay, what should we bring for our four person against thousands? Okay, I'll put the trail mix back. I I feel like Sam would definitely be like, bringing lots of C4. That's what's (laughs) happening. (laughs) Daniel's got trail mix and Kleenex in his pack. (laughs) All right. So yeah, so then it goes back to, first Jack punches Scara, but yeah. yeah. Oh, but it also gives us another a line. So Skara is talking about how pleased he is to give Tiok to, to the traitor to his dad. Mm-hmm. And he says, and he they're like, your father, he's not your father. And he says, he seated, seated. the queen mother. Oh, God, I hate that. I hate anytime Game of Thrones did the same thing. When they were like, oh, I spilled seed into, I was like, God, oh, the seed is it. strong. God, it's awful. Yeah, when we, <laughs> when I was growing up in my religious household, we would read the scriptures and it frequently talks about like the seed and my mom made us not ever read that <laughs> word. She was like, just skip it. <laughs> oh, <it's> so gross. <laughs> That's like bad fan fiction. <laughs> Some people are feeling called out right now. Yeah, or Sorry. you people out, just don't do that. <laughs> we all have our own preferences. Yeah. Yeah, so the, first he punches him. Oh, and I actually have the clip of him. Because it is a, him very emotional, but it also is a little bit suggestive. <laughs> oh, it, and this is coming from the person who is usually the one inadvertently saying the suggestive things. Promise me this thing won't kill him. Two shots will. One shot will only cause him great pain. So here's the deal. Let him out, let him talk to me, or you get the whole load. God. <laughs> Oh, God, we're 12. Uh-huh. Where's Archer when you need him? Oh, jeez. Good to know that even at Jack's age, he's got a full load. That didn't feel good, Dave. That... <laughs> We're children. We promised. We promised dicks. We have to we follow did. through. We did. Okay, so Jack, Scara, yeah. <laughs> he realizes that he's not going to get through to him, so he hits him with the whole load. <laughs> <laughs> and it brings Scara, or it brings Clara a lot of pain, and then Scara manages to get to the forefront of his own brain. Like he gets through from the host. Um, and can start talking to Jack, and he sounds scared. Yeah. It's really sad. It is really yeah. sad. And he keeps apologizing over and over again, and asking if Jack's still his friend, and yeah. everything like that, and um, Jack tries to reassure him, and he's trying to figure out why he's asking him, you know, if, we're, if they're still friends, because Jack hasn't quite figured out, I mean, he's figured out that they're going to Earth, but... Like, Scar knows something. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my turn. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, so basically, for the brief moment that Scar is in control, just as quickly, uh, Cor- oh my god, I almost said Kal El. You're um, takes back over. Um, the Jaffa, who have been working, like hacking the code out outside the doors, finally break through and they come to Coral's rescue. 
um, and Jack and Tilk are taken under command or under are taken captured. And uh, Jack is still kind of yelling at Scarif through Florel and telling him to fight and like, don't let them do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, it's kind of a great moment too, because as a viewer, you're like, Oh, like, will Scara like overcome the impossible and like tell the Jaffa to like stand down? Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, no. I like that they refer to him as the traitor and his recruiter. recruiter. Yeah, 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 I do too. Especially because like Jack, I feel like has this badass reputation as a military guy. It's like, no, you're just the recruiter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, this is an old note. I have a note back from when Mel was recapping and it says, Hey, the Zach gun works and Scar peeps out. <laughs> I don't know why it's a peeps out. Yeah, interesting uh, phrasing. Sure, very. I think I was about the penises. I don't know. So Jack and Teal'c are taken hostage and they're marched back into the original room, that first room they kind of walk, uh, came through where Apophis is on the little TV. Mm-hmm. And where Sam and Daniel are. Yes, now. and Sam and Daniel are now there because they're planting C4 on the gate. Mm-hmm. And as they kind of come in, Sam and Daniel take cover behind this, like, altar that the gate is on, so they're out of sight. Apophis comes on the TV, and basically Scar presents, uh, I'm sorry, Chlorel presents uh, Jack and Teal'c, like, hey, I brought you this, like, look what I found on the ship! Like, I happened to find these two, like, most wanted fugitives that the Goa'uld <laughs> would have. This is great! And I love that Apophis... You can tell that Apophis is an older Gulauld who clearly is a little bit smarter than Chlorel because uh-huh. Apophis's first question is like, where did they come from? Like, <laughs> yeah. Where are the others? Like? Where is there more? Mm-hmm. Um, to which I love that Jack is like, yeah, we got thousands of them. <laughs> We're crawling all over the ship. Yeah. And also when he first comes on and, and sees him, Jack says, hey, Pops. <laughs> yes. Doesn't it? takes a lot to knock the uh, smart ass out of Jack's mouth. <laughs> it really does. I also have a note here that I love that. So the camera pans after Jack says, hey, Pops, uh, the camera pans to Sam and Daniel who are in hiding. And Sam's face just completely falls. Like when she hears Jack's voice, yeah. like this motherfucker went and got himself captured. He's like, <laughs> I got to go rescue him now, which I liked a lot. So Apophis basically says the punishment for Teal'c is that his Primta is to be removed and that Scara or Chlorel can choose to punish Jack in any way that he sees fit. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, first, Jack has to watch Teal'c. Yes. And Primta. Jack has to watch. Which mm-hmm. at first I was like, I had forgotten what the Primta was until I saw the priest walk by with a little clampy clamp. And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh my. <laughs> Which I guess that would be like removing the baby gold inside of him. Junior. Uh, little junior. And so while that's happening, Apophis is basically like, see you on the other side, keep on keeping on. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing there. Uh, <laughs> and so the priest kind of starts making his way towards Teal'c, and Jack just starts flipping out basically, um, and is yelling at Chlorel and begging Skara to fight through and stop this. It's pretty emotional. I feel like you can sense the desperation pretty clearly. But it it seems to work because Corel does stop the uh, procedure and uh, tells the Jaffa to walk Jack and Teal to the Peltak to the Peltak. Yeah, which I yeah. don't know what that is. I think I'm going to assume that is the um like the like the deck. They're gonna walk the plank. No, 
The bridge. The command the bridge. The bridge. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So for no, like, discernible reason, or if there was, I didn't write it down. Um, but they basically, the torture is put on hold, and they're mm-hmm. escorted out of the building, or out of the room. So then we get this scene between Sam and Daniel. So... Sam and Daniel have now witnessed all of this, and Sam basically says, we're going after them, um, and we got to go save Jack and Teal. To which Daniel says, but who's going to go blow up the ship then? Like, hey, I want to save those guys just as much as you do. He doesn't. Uh, but who's going to go blow up our ship? And Sam says, the C4 is on a timer. They've got 24 hours, and like we have to go save them, basically. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of thoughts about this. Mm-hmm. I assume you do as well. I'm opening the floor for discussion. Go. I said I thought it was interesting that Daniel's the one prioritizing Earth over Jack and Teal because mm-hmm. usually he's kind of the more personal guy, like looking at what's right in front of him. But I think that it could be fitting with him in that he he's already lived through it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He already had to watch the Earth get destroyed, and that's why it's so much. That's so much more pressing to him versus Sam, who didn't witness the Earth get destroyed. Very pressing thing is she thinks they have a year till they mm-hmm. get to Earth. And so mm-hmm. she's like, we got to get, we got to go save our friends. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting. So the two big things that I took away was one, I wonder what Daniel's take would have been if instead of Skara, it was Share. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like so much of this, like the wrench in the plan basically is that it is Skara mm-hmm. that's in that sarcophagus. And I kind of just wonder if Daniel would hesitate if it was Sharae, but because it's Scara, it's like, eh. There would be zero hesitation if it was Scarae. Sharae. Sharae. Jesus. <laughs> so I thought it was interesting, because, like, like, to your point, Chelsea, like, Daniel is the more personable one, usually, or, like, the, hey, like, let's save everybody. Mm-hmm. But what I really like the most, and all aboard the shipper train, choo-choo, <laughs> is uh, the way that Sam and Daniel look at each other when Sam basically like tells Daniel like shut up we're doing this we're gonna uh-huh. go save Jack and Teal there's that similar like long searching look like are you sure you're making the right decision like are you making an emotional decision right now mm-hmm. and I was just like what a lingering look you're giving each other right now and maybe this was meant to be like are you sure this is the right decision for earth but I interpreted it as are you sure you're not thinking with your heart instead of your head uh-huh. Yeah, no, I did. It was a long look that they shared, and it was. I, I was kind of like, "What are they? What's mm-hmm. being conveyed there?" And her eyes were like avoiding his. Mm-hmm. 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 Anyways, the next scene. Well, my notes get a little <clears throat> frail here, so I think the next scene is that when we're up on the deck, basically. It's Scara or Chlorel saying, like, I'm going to, like, let you see home one more time before I kill you, basically. And when they look out through the glass, that's not glass. It's Saturn. 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 Yeah, they drop out of hyper launch and Jack tumbles forward. Yes. Which Tilk is like, brace yourself. <laughs> like, like too, five seconds too late. <laughs> too late. <laughs> <laughs> so they see the Saturn and there's this realization that Jack has that they sure don't have one year. They, yeah. They have much, much less. And so there's that kind of like dun 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 moment. We flip yeah. back to the SGC, mm-hmm. and Hammond is told by Harriman. Yes. Yep. But he Wait. doesn't have a name yet, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> that NASA has picked up these signals. I think it's NASA. I might have written that note down wrong. Someone. Yeah. Hub- in- they say Hubble. Uh, Hubble. Hubble. So the Hubble 
telescope thing has picked up signals in space and basically or maybe it wasn't they say they're going to turn hubble to look at get a closer okay look so yeah. Nat, like, i don't know where NASA the bliss saw it and then uh-huh. they're gonna get hubble to look at it regardless uh-huh. blips have been detected <laughs> and hammond knows that exactly what daniel said was going to happen is in the midst of happening right now yeah and then we um, get this great exchange I guess Dr. Jackson is lucky. How so, sir? Well, he won't have to be around to watch his nightmare come true for a second time. Oh, Hammond. Yeah. Like, Hammond is so, like, it's like he's just defeated pretty much at that point. I mean, he obviously does. It's not like he gives up. Right. But he knows that they are completely overmatched. You think he sends, like, a I told you so text to Kinsey? <laughs> they don't have texts yet. He sends okay. it in the mail. And I told you so email. There you go. <laughs> but I also think that the way that how defeated he is when he says that, he assumes that means that SG-1 is dead. Yeah, that they failed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is like a, probably a fair assumption. Mm-hmm. But also you never count SG-1 out until <laughs> the last minute. That's true. I do appreciate how quickly he moved, though, after like mm-hmm. he found out that, that information that the blips are on the screen. And he like immediately puts on his hat and is like, okay, we need to do this, this, and this. I need to get on the phone with the president, blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he mm-hmm. calls the president. Mm-hmm. That big red phone. Mm-hmm. We get back up onto the teletac, and it's Sam and Daniel, I think, in the hallway on their way to rescue Tilk and Jack. And I have this note here that says, Daniel, what is that face? What because is the, the Bogun thing, too? Yeah. Also, yeah, that's, yeah. That's I wrote that. Gonna happen. That and never that happens. He, and that little... he, like, comes way out from behind, like, cover. Yeah. And he's so open. And, uh-huh. like, so, it's very confusing. But, it's, like, he's looking super pissed. Yes, like, <laughs> he looks, he looks, that's exactly what I have. I said, what is that face? He looks so pissed. Like, Daniel does not want to be there. Like, Daniel's mad. It looks like Daniel's mad that they're on their way to save their friends. I don't know what he thinks they should be doing otherwise. Like, just suicide bomb themselves. I I don't know. Yeah. Fuck fuck finding Sharae. Fuck saving Skara. Fuck the world. Fuck us. We're just going to boom, 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 (laughs) kill each other. (laughs) Like, I honestly don't know what he wanted to do instead of Sam's plan. Like, oh, and his attitude sucks. All I have to say for Daniel is that it's a good thing that the Jaffa are stormtroopers and can't hit the press of a farm. (laughs) Yes. He should have been dead. He, well. He's yeah, sort of. <laughs> he, he will be. <laughs> he will be. <laughs> but yeah, and dual wielding pistols doesn't is not better. It's no. better to be shooting well with one gun than yes. to be like beep, 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 beep. The kick like, back, <laughs> you're gonna be all over the place. <laughs> you're not gonna hit anything. No. <laughs> it's fun in video games and yes. in like board games where you get to roll more dice because you have two <laughs> weapons, but in real life, guys. Only Laura Croft can wield the double pistol the best. <laughs> So yeah, so the Jaffa, uh, Sam and Daniel run into this like little gang of Jaffa. They have this bizarre gunfight that they overpower and they kind of storm into or onto the deck with this area that they're in. Peltak. The uh, Peltak. We think maybe that's what <laughs> it's called. We think maybe. We don't speak fluent Gua'uld, so please excuse us. <laughs> and so there's this kind of like flurry of action moments where so Sam and Daniel are disarming and killing Jaffa with the penis guns. <laughs> and then, uh, but also Sam's using her rifle. There's a lot of action happening. And basically- Well, and then Jack and Teal hear it. Yes, Jack and Teal hear it, and they kind of join the fray, and they start attacking Jaffa and disarming them as best they can. And what happens is, it's kind of a weird setup, and I've got a lot of questions about everything. Uh, but <laughs> what ultimately ends up happening is everyone gets disabled except Skara, 
and or Coral, and he pulls on the hand device and starts hand device killing Daniel. Mm-hmm. And Tilk, from what I remember, is so okay. So envision Chlorel and Daniel in the middle of the room. Mm-hmm. We've got Tilk in the corner, and like Jack's got a pistol looking directly onto them. And Tilk is yelling at Jack and saying, O'Neill, you have to take action, meaning he O'Neill, Jack has to shoot Chlorel slash Scara. But Jack freezes his keep yelling his and is yelling Scara's name. Meanwhile, Chlorel is like killing Daniel with the hand device. And Tilk is just yelling, who has no one by the way, all the other <laughs> opponents are they're done. So we're just all SG1 is watching this happen. Uh-huh. I think I think the reason that Teal'c is yelling at Jack, telling him that he needs to take action, is because Teal'c doesn't want to make that decision of whether or not if he shoots and kills Scara, he doesn't want that to be on him. He he doesn't want Jack to be upset by the, by the situation that happened. I think that Teal'c wants Jack to make the decision for himself, which is kind of a shitty thing to do, but... I think that's what what we're playing at here because he's been shot once with the with the zag gun. We don't know how long it takes for that to reset. So I'm assuming well, if he shoots him pistol. again, he's gonna die. Um, I know. And then oh, so, Tilk has a zag gun, and so he doesn't want to shoot him again and kill him. Sam's not gonna do anything. Daniel's incapacitated, so it's up to Jack to decide whether or not he wants to shoot Scara. And that's a better explanation, I guess. I, that's that's just how I took it. Yeah, it's, no, that's it, a good interpretation. It's you're right though. It it's it's a really weird scene about how Teal'c's just yelling at Jack, and then like nobody but else is doing anything. I don't really see Daniel get to the middle of the room, and no. then suddenly Scar's grab. Like we, mm-hmm. t- Daniel was in the hall, and then like suddenly Scara has or Chlorel has him. It's weirdly staged. It's very strangely staged. I wish they had like done like a pullout, like wider shot, so you could have seen like where everyone was in the room. Yeah. And even still, I would have been like, Tilk, just because to me, in my the way that the camera was moving, it felt like Tilk was like standing behind Skara, so he could have just been like, pew, and like taking care, <laughs> taking well, care of it. Right, but like I said, though, I, I don't think he wanted to be the one that did it. I think yeah, that's fair. But yeah. then it's like, are you going to risk Daniel's life on the hopes that <laughs> D- Jack makes the right decision? But Jack usually makes the right decision, usually. <laughs> Which I hope you're all ready to board the shipper train again but isn't this exactly the like scenario that i feel like many fic writers and the fandom and like canon like use as an excuse like we couldn't possibly be on a relationship in a relationship together because what if a situation like this arose and i had to pick between like loved ones and like this is like a clear example of but it did jack it did happen no yeah i know i know i know (laughs) It happened twice, there. actually. Two it times. happened a lot of times. <laughs> Jack always makes the right decision. So I had that down. And I was just like, hmm, just a note. Yeah. Anyways, and he does this time. He shoots. He, shoots he does. Him. So Jack shoots Scara. Scar is dead. He says O'Neill first to make it that much more painful. Yeah. So Chlorel dies. And there's like a, this like moment where Scara appears to be back mm-hmm. and says a few words. And then it's just lights out. Sam checks on Daniel. Sam checks on Daniel. Daniel seems fine. He just makes some weird guttural noises. He's like he's gonna throw up. Yeah. Which fair, fair. That was a long time to be under a hand device. Meanwhile, Tilk kind of like goes to the front of the deck where that glass but not glass thing is and says O'Neill. And it, it's a really sad scene and like RDA as always does a great job and he just kind of gives this broken like give me a minute here. 
Yeah, um, he wants to take just a second to grieve. Yeah, um, but she doesn't ask for much, but he's asking for this second right here. And Silk says, I can't give you that second. And when SG-1 joins Teal'c, they look out to the front of the screen and Earth is very, very nearby. It's visible. And at the end here at a cliffhanger, dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. To be continued. did not take a year to get to Earth. Yeah, not only that, but even when they dropped out of hyperlaunch, they dropped out of hyperlaunch by Saturn and now they're already <laughs> by Earth. And like that means they were still going very fast. Yes, this is the mystery. That, that was very fast. The mysteries of global technology. Yeah. But that is the season one finale. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. Let's rate this bad boy. Go for it, Jess. Okay, I will Ooh. give. <laughs> I will give it like four out of seven. Five, but yeah, four out of seven. It's like a perfectly fine average episode. I typically don't rewatch it when I'm doing my rewatches. Um, it's just fine. It's not my favorite of the finales. It's a lot of. It's just. It's just fine. There really is no like. There's nothing bad about it. Nothing great about it. It's just fine. That's my in-depth <laughs> review. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think I'm on the same boat as you. As I was rewatching it again for maybe the second time, maybe the third. I'm giving it a four out of seven. I just. It was. It was fine. It just felt like a regular, like like an episode that just had made me a little bit higher stakes, but not really high stakes. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was. It, it just felt like it, it bounced around a lot. There was a lot of not sure what was going on. We got a lot of information, uh, you know, thrown at us in a finale, which usually shouldn't happen. So it was just kind of a weird episode. I meant I meant to let RDA review this episode for me again from the SG One Illustrated Companion. Richard Dean Anderson says, <clears throat> it was really cool. We used the gate. We were out in space. It had bad guys, good guys, and a cliffhanger. I loved it. <laughs> so, yeah, RDA, that's basically, that is the episode, but it still gets a four. He's so eloquent. He sure is. Chels? I'm going to give it four out of seven as well. I think, I, I think, I, I think it's just building up, right? It's just build up. Yeah. Right. And, and so nothing, nothing that big is happening. I mean, I guess Scar's death is kind of a big deal. And there are a couple of good emotional beats in it, which is why I give it like a four instead of a three. Mm-hmm. Because other than that, I think it's generally unremarkable. It, it really bothers, like, so the Zats are ridiculous. <laughs> I, I'm i sorry. They just are. And they're not gone. They're going to be back for yes. lots of times. <laughs> And the way the ship is built so conveniently for them all to be able to immediately hide the second they hear footprints all the time is just absurd mm-hmm. to me. <laughs> like, I don't get it. But so I, I, I just it's hard for me to really feel immersed in the episode because I keep thinking things like those guns are stupid mm-hmm. and how why in the hell would you build a military vessel with like two corridors with all these hidden spots in them? I, I just. <laughs> So I, I, for me, it's even though I do think there are some nice moments and starting at the beginning with the decision to go, like I really love the team moments and then making those decisions together, but ultimately it kind of falls flat. And even like, cause then the cliffhanger still is like, we always knew it was coming here mm-hmm. and this whole episode was telling us what we already knew. And now it's like, okay, now we're here. Now I guess stuff can happen. It feels like they should have cut politics, moved this to be the 21st episode and made into the Serpent's Lair, whatever it's called. I can't remember what it's called now. The season two, episode one, that should have been the finale. Like, like tie up your season 
more completely. This it's it feels strange to. I don't think end they had way. to. I, I agree with you, but I don't think they had to because they had already had what season two and three in the bag. So yeah, or, I mean, yeah, they've already been renewed. So yeah. so there wasn't really any high stakes as to you know That's having true. to complete the. But just from like a storytelling perspective, like if you're gonna end, you've had this like well, I guess it wasn't like an incredible season. Whoa, should we rate this season overall? Yes. Okay, let's. I'm done talking about the episode now. Let's talk about the season. <laughs> okay, let's rate this season. It's out of seven, still, right? Yeah. It's hard to rank the whole season. I would say, do we want to rank it in relation to like the other seasons or to like all see that? Television? See that's, that's what I was wondering. Like on its own, like how does it? Well, because like compared to the other seasons of of SG One, I would I would rate it somewhat lower because mm-hmm. I think. Most of the other seasons are better than season one. So how about we do it? How about we do out of seven for the first one? So so we'll rank it out of seven, and then as we continue through the seasons, we'll start ranking against each other as we go along. So like season, yeah. two, so like I think season two is better than season one. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. you know something like that. Okay, yeah. So out of seven, I think I think I would give it a four as well, mm-hmm. mostly because it's like it introduces it. So I think there's a lot like. Clearly, we've talked about it. There's bad episodes in season one, episodes I didn't, I really didn't like, but it introduced me to these awesome characters and pulled me into the world. And so even though it's really far from perfect, and I think that I would, I don't know, four might be too high, maybe three. It's like (laughs) between three and four because I do love it, but I also acknowledge that it's not like great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I feel like three and a half, four, just because. I think season one has some of the fewest episodes that I would include in like a regular rewatch. Like I always rewatch uh, Children of the Gods. I always rewatch Singularity. I always rewatch Don't Solitudes. Tell Me. Thank you, Solitudes. Damn it. I was getting there. I, I uh, helped you. Thank okay. you. So there's probably like, so like out of 22 episodes, if I'm only like consistently rewatching three or four of them, that's not like, a, it's not a great return. So, but for every great episode or fine episode, there's a pretty terrible episode. So yeah, I'm going to put it like right in the middle of it's fine. It's not the best work SG1's ever done. But uh, yeah, three and a half or four would be my ranking as a season. So like you guys, I'm going to give it a th- I'm going to give it a three and a half because it, I think it's middle of the road. It's not great. It's not terrible. I mean, it kind of borders on the edge, but it's mm-hmm. not terrible. Like Chelsea said, it gives you all these good characters that you end up growing to love and liking to see how the story goes but some of those episodes are just we can awful. say it. emancipation man oh <laughs> never <laughs> again we don't have to watch it ever again it's ever true. again that's true but yeah i just i don't know it's just it, it's fine it's it's a good me- middle of the road season but yeah. you also have to realize it is the first season so they're still yeah. trying to find their footing but i think at, towards the end they did find it yeah it's just a matter of we had to overcome all those obstacles to get there I feel like the first season of almost every single television show is like middle of the road. Like you can't take too many risks. You're still trying to like introduce characters. You're still like trying to figure out who are these characters and what story am I trying to tell. So I feel like a lot of leniency is given to season. Well, you're season. you're also trying to still get picked up. Yeah, that's as you. well. So like you're trying to not step on anybody's toes. You're trying to make sure that everything is fine. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's especially true of dramas. I think sometimes comedies can come out of the gate with a fun, interesting concept and punch really hard in the first season and then actually fall off in the second season. Yeah. But I think with dramas, when you're having to do a lot of world building and 
uh, especially so like sci-fi fantasy yeah. type dramas. Yeah. See, so you, you got to build a world and you got to build characters that people can get emotionally invested in, which you don't always have to have to make a comedy yeah. interesting or likable at first. So yeah, for drama, I think you, yeah, season one can be tricky. And genre storytelling is so hard anyway, because like you want to immerse your viewer in a new and different world, but you don't want to overwhelm them with too much world building, but then like not enough either. So yeah, I think we can all agree that this is a perfectly fine, okay season. Yeah. Well, and they succeed. Like they, yeah, it did pull us in. We all kept <laughs> yeah, watching yeah, it. Sure. That is so. true. That's true. When we all started watching this a year and a half ago, or however long it was now, <laughs> we kept going. Yeah. We did. So we finished season one. We are on to season two. If you love this episode, if you love this season and you just don't understand why we would give it a three and a half or a four and it deserves a seven, convince us. Come tell us on Twitter at ChevronsLock7 or via email at ChevronsLock7 at gmail.com. If you want to yell at me personally, um, that's fine. You can find me on Twitter at ProfTenant or on Tumblr at ProfessorTenant. Y'all, she forgets she has a Twitter, so don't listen to her about that. Um, <laughs> but you can find me, Melanie, on Tumblr at my stupid dumb flyboy, or on Twitter at Melanie Martian, M-A-R-S-H-A-N. You can find me, Chelsea, on Twitter at Cahils, and on Tumblr at Pianosa Two to the Fighting Eight. And that's a wrap on season one. Yeah. Yay! Oh wait, I think I have <gasps> a clip. Think it gets showtime. <laughs> <laughs> was that we're not trying to record a podcast or anything michelle jesus hi michelle jess says hi